0: Well, the day of our gospel meeting has arrived, and how thankful and excited we are here at Pippin. The times of preparation and the times of planning have reached a moment of fruition, and we're so delighted and honored that everyone has come our way today. Our speaker, the gentleman that we've invited to come be with us, Brother Tim McHenry, he's no stranger to this area, as he mentioned a moment ago during the Bible study hour, having grown up in the Baxter area, I believe it was, And at this point, he is the pulpit preacher for the Mount Gilead Church of Christ in Tompkinsville, Kentucky, and has been there, I believe, for a bit over 12 years. And we're so honored that he is able to find time in his schedule to be with us here this week, not only today, but through Wednesday evening at 7 p.m., not only that, uh, Tim carries on in addition to his pulpit preaching work, he also has a radio program. If you're able to listen to, I think it's 101.5 FM, uh, airs at about uh, 15 after 12 or so each weekday, so you might want to tune into that if you can. But we're certainly honored and delighted he's come to be with us today. Has he delivered to us uh, topics he's going to be sharing with us throughout this week? Topics related to the home, to the church... And it certainly matters touching the subject of eternity. I hope you'll mark, carry off uh, in the sections of your calendar and plan to be with us each in one of those services. Brother Tim, come preach to us.
1: Thank you very much, Brother Randy. I have looked forward to the opportunity to do this uh, when... Brother Randy first contacted me. He presented himself to me by way of email as if to say, Now, this is Randy Bybee. I don't know if you remember. We uh, were over at uh, school, over at Tech and everything, and little did he know I very well remembered. Not only did I remember, but before I can get into the meeting here, I've got to get something off my chest. There's no way that I can have a successful meeting here when I've got a 30-year burden weighing on me that I've got to unload on right now. And I'm afraid it's it's at the expense of Brother Bobby, but here we go. Exhibit A. Brother Bobby, do you recognize this book? I do. He does. (laughs) (laughs) and Resnick's physics textbook, circa mid to late 1980s. All right. I think that firmly establishes the time frame we're talking about. At that time, Brother Bobby was not Dr. Bobby. At that time, Brother Bobby was simply learning his basic physics stuff, like I was trying to learn my basic math stuff. There was a little problem. They made us math majors take the same initial physics sequence as the physics majors. That I did not like. I didn't like it one bit. Now, you say, what does that have to do with Brother Bobby? He was just a student, you know, going through his uh, uh, time as well and, and taking care of his obligations. That's true. That's true. But that brings me to Exhibit B. I have here in front of me Physics 202 Final Exam, May 31st, 1988. Brother Bobby, can you uh, please tell them what grade it has there at the, the bottom? One. <laughs> Are there any zeros after that one brother? Randy out of class. Randy, how did you do on your test? Well, I think I might have missed one. Missed one? I made a one! <laughs> a one! Passing in that class back then was a 40, I think. You remember those days? I a 40. Why did they have such a low standard for passing? It's because a lot of us had no idea what we were doing. Randy comes out, on the other hand, with his A, blowing the curve, making all of us look like a bunch of doofus heads, you know, and it's like, like, there you go. And for 30 years, I've carried that thing around, and you know, it's like, well, there you go, Tim. You want to see what failure's like? It's right there. right there. Actually, in all seriousness, I said all of that to get your attention in order to make a point. Randy is a smart guy. I know that. In fact, I don't know how he ever figured that stuff out. The math part was not the problem, of course, with me. It was the, it was like, I don't know, how does in an bark what does that have to do with flux capacitance or whatever, I don't know what we're doing here. It, you know how they would ask weird questions back then and stuff in physics class. But anyway, Randy could figure all that out. He, he had it. It's a, it was natural to him, I suppose. He's a smart guy. But at the same time, you all know for a fact here that even though, He's got a lot of those specialized things figured out. He's still the common man. Now y'all know what I mean by that, don't you? He's just a regular guy. So it doesn't matter what all kinds of educational attainments he has behind him already from his schooling. It doesn't matter right now how much he has invested in his career from the standpoint of formal education and so forth, he is still, when you're here among the brethren, just Randy, right? And that's what I love about that kind of a thing. The Apostle Paul grew up at the feet of the male, didn't he? And learned all those incredible things. Was completely fluent in Hebrew, Greek, probably knew enough plenty of Aramaic and stuff to get along. For all I know, maybe he knew Latin as well. But Paul understood how to work with different cultures, cultures, different people, and yet when he talked to the brethren and explained himself to them, he would just say, I'm Paul. I just want to talk to you a little bit here about some things that God wants you to know. The Bible is given to the common man, and it doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor, male or female, young or old. The Bible is given to the common man. The Bible says that the common people heard him gladly when it comes to Jesus. There were certain groups that didn't want to hear that. Certain groups thought that, no, 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 you've got to keep people separate and maybe it's just for this group or just for that one or they had never understand or something. No, no, no. The Bible is given so that everybody can understand it. Everybody can get the same blessing. That's what I love about it. Everybody can get the exact same benefit. Therefore, the lesson this morning is from Acts chapter 2, and it is given for every single person because if I do what they did on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2, if you do what the apostles said to do back then in Acts chapter 2, and all those thousands of people, you all know about the story, don't you? 3,000 people come to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you do what they did, you know you're going to get what they got. There is no doubt about it at all. And it was given so that the regular common man can understand it. I love that so much. And I love that the Lord has given us a basic message of salvation so that whoever you are here this morning, gather together with us. It doesn't matter if you're just now able to gain a cognizance of your sins and to gain faith in Jesus Christ or somebody that has heard maybe different preaching and different opportunities to study the Bible and has read the Bible through ten different times in your life you still have that same message in Acts chapter 2 given to you for the salvation of your soul and mine. And if you just do what it says, this morning could be the salvation of your soul. If you just do what they did, there is no doubt you leave out the doors this morning a saved person. No sin held against you by God at all. Headed to heaven. No doubt about it whatsoever. Think about how important Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost is. Go there with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, speaking of the apostles. And suddenly, there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now when we say they began to speak in other tongues, that brings me to my first point. Tim, how do you know that what you're doing is right? How can you know for sure that the way of Christianity is the way to go? How do you know? You've got all these disbelievers in the world and they're throwing all this stuff at our children and everything, and so many people are giving up the faith. How do you know you need to stick with God and the Bible and His Son, Jesus Christ? What if, what if it's not true? I'm going to give you three basic reasons why it has to be true this morning. And We start right here with that miracle on Pentecost. The miracle on Pentecost is not what many people paint it to be. It is not just simply them babbling some stuff and getting into an emotional outbreak when it says that they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance, they're speaking in other languages. Because you see, now there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. And when this was noise abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because they heard them, every man speak in his own language. Y'all see that there? The language wherein he was born. And they were amazed. And marvels, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? All of these guys talking are from that same little area. How then we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Now let me paint the scene for you this way. If you have a regular Joe like me from Baxter, and all of a sudden you introduce me to a guy from Swahili, Wherever out in, I don't know where that is. I'm right in Africa, right? And I'm all of a sudden supposed to be able to speak Swahili. I can't do it. somebody else that speaks another language, and they understand these fellows. And all these are Galileans. I didn't have to study on Swahili. This person I said, I didn't study on Spanish, study on Greek, study on... The, I just know it. How can I understand you? I, you just can't. Well, how? But the power of God. So you think about this for a moment. If Christianity is false, you have to deny the God in heaven and his power to do miracles, it is reasonable that the God in heaven would verify his message to man by showing a miracle among men. And the miracle in Acts chapter 2 was the speaking in tongues. Now somebody says, well, they just made that up. They didn't do it. Then why in the world do people believe it based on them speaking in tongues? Think about that. Believe my message. I'm going to speak that message in your language. Well, they actually did believe it. If they never actually spoke in that language, why did the people believe it? But they did believe it. And Christianity blossomed and grew all throughout the first century into every part of the earth. Fascinating, isn't it? Does that make sense? Certainly so. The God of heaven made us. He can do whatever he wants. He wants to perform a miracle. He manifested it on the day of Pentecost. Therefore, speaking in tongues. Right there, Acts chapter 2. So the first thing that shows us the truth of Christianity and convinced people back then of the gospel and should convince you of the gospel is that if you're a believer in God, you should expect that God would perform a miracle. God did. He gave the speaking in tongues unto the apostles and they were able to preach to everybody there no matter where they were from. Now you say, well, preacher, I think maybe somebody can understand us from around the Baxter and Cookville area like up in New York or something. Folks, we don't mean a different part of the country. We mean different countries, don't we? Parthians. Pick up there in Acts chapter two. Pick up right there. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, dwellers in Mesopotamia and in Judea, in Pontus, in Asia, in Cappadocia, in Pamphylia, Phrygia, in Egypt, in Libya, in the parts about Cyrene. Strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Greeks and Arabians we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Wow. People there from all other cultures, different areas that don't say or speak anything, don't dress like we, don't have anything to do with us. But they happen to have been the scattered Jews, you see, and they gathered back there on the time of Pentecost because it's one of the big gathering times of the Jews. That's what you do. You take that time of the year and you drive back to Jerusalem. Perfect time to preach to them, perfect time to tell them still a lot of convincing needed to be done whatever you're saying may be very interesting then but I don't know about this here I keep on telling me more all right let's get some more then we pick up now at verse 12 in Acts chapter 2 okay verse 12 they were all amazed and were in doubt saying one to another what does this mean (laughs) now of course some people you always got wise crackers and uh, people are going to mock So others mocking said that these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and spake unto them, saying, "Uh," He wants them to know it's silly. It's nine o'clock in the morning. You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it's but the third hour of the day. If a guy's going to get drunk, He's getting over his drunk at nine in the morning. He's not already getting on the the next drunk started yet. They're not drunk. It's just the third hour of the day, he says. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, verse 16, and that's the next place I want us to stop. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Fulfillment of prophecy. God knew these days would come. He knew that you would arrive on this earth. He knew the gospel needed to be presented to you. He knew you needed to be saved just like those people on the day of Pentecost. God had gotten us ready for it. He knew it was coming. And he had said hundreds of years, like about 700 years before through Joel, here it comes, here's what it's going to be like when it comes, here's the nature of the message, here's what you need to be looking out for. Man can't do that. There's no way man can do that. And you say, oh, surely some people have tried and made some good guesses in the past. They've also been wrong a bunch, and they just were not inspired. I want you to think about it for just a moment. If it's not Christianity, you might as well be nothing. Have you ever thought about, ladies and gentlemen, that? If you can't be Christian, you might as well be nothing. Where are you going to get fulfillment of prophecy? You're going to get it out of something that claims similar to Christianity, like, say, Mormonism? But Joseph Smith had some wrong prophecies. Uh, That disqualifies him. Where are you going to get fulfillment of prophecy? Mohammed didn't even try. Where are his miracles? He didn't even claim to have it. Where is his prophecy? He didn't have that either. You say, well, how come there's a billion Muslims in the world? It's easy to convert somebody when you take your gun out nowadays or back in, take the sword out and put it in somebody's neck. <laughs> and say, you believe, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I believe Allah. Like, like, what do they say, your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow.
0: Come, let us reason.
1: God has planned for this day. God has made the day come to pass. God has made it to where you can be saved. God has given one person through whom you can be saved. Everybody should listen to this message because God had planned it through the prophets and the prophets themselves said that it was going to come to pass. This is that which has come to pass from the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And in those days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon my servants and upon my handmaidens, and they shall prophesy. And I shall show wonders in the heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The people back then in the first century, why did Christianity just explode on the scene and grow so quickly? It's because they were having those things happen. The sun in the darkness. we already seen things like that the crucifixion of Christ, right? They had seen it. They knew it had happened moon in the blood, probably an unusually timed manifestation of a lunar eclipse displaying just exactly that kind of a thing just like God said it would happen the signs that would occur among the people those that had risen from the dead at the time of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and of his crucifixion, those that had gone out proclaiming among the people the wonderful things of God on that occasion all the things that were done of an unusual nature had primed the people they knew Jesus had gotten them ready. John the Baptist had gotten them ready. They knew this is big. Something big is going on in the earth. And therefore, when it was shown to them by Peter, this is what Joel said would happen. That's why you get thousands of people believing it all at once. It's kind of like today. Somebody says, Yeah, but. And you say, well, why should I get ready? Well, the House of Representatives just passed a, a, an Obamacare Repeal. They just did. They, they it. And we're just waiting on the Senate to see if they do the same thing. If they do, Explain that. power God? You hear what we're telling you? Joel said it would happen. fulfilling a prophecy. You better do what God says. And people today act as if, well, but it could all be made up. It couldn't be made up. They would not have believed it. Christianity would never have gotten off the ground. They weren't forcing anybody to become Christians. It wouldn't like the Muslims who were, like I said, taking a sword at their neck and saying, hey, you're going to be a Muslim, right? Promising physical things and benefits like the 70 virgins and all that to the guys that go out here and die in the cause of Allah and such. Christianity is spread through the reason of the mind, through the appeal unto your heart and the salvation of your soul through Jesus Christ, the man whom God has ordained. It appeals unto you because God the Creator can perform His works, His miracles because God did do that. Therefore they observed the miracle of God, they had seen the fulfillment of the prophecies that were given, and they observed just like we see Jesus in the words of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John today. They observed Jesus Christ, many of them, and the others were right then learning about Jesus Christ, and here's what was said about Jesus to them. Today is your salvation day. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then in verse 22, he gets into his sermon in earnest. Listen. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you, by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the middle of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel, that is the predetermined plan of God, and foreknowledge of God, you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Now let's stop here for just a moment. He says, God did by this, by jesus in the middle of you as you yourselves also know there may be some of you this morning as you yourselves also know you were raised to respect the lord you were raised to be good you may not have You had the Bible there. Jesus when he says, you know what Jesus did among you if Jesus never actually did those things. Those things actually did happen. That's why they obeyed it. That's why Christianity grew. Because the message went out among all the people. You know Jesus. You know what the Romans did to him. You know what the Jews instigated here. And now God's saying you better repent. Because the prophets told you to get ready and you wouldn't listen to them. And now here exactly is what God has planned for you. He's got a wonderful message. The gospel message. He's going to give you a second chance obey the gospel. He'll wipe all those sins away. Do what the Lord says. Salvation is yours. And God said, that is my message from now until the end of time. So he includes us today. It shall come to pass in the last days. Whose letter shall baptized into Christ. What about Jesus did you suddenly get offended by? You say, well, it isn't one thing about Jesus, really. I just, I never really, uh, well, I've been waiting. There is no reason to wait. The people on the day of Pentecost were told, save yourselves from this unpoor or wicked generation. The time is now. You know that Jesus was crucified and was slain by them about 2,000 years ago. And that the gospel message has been spread among people ever since. God is waiting on all of His creation to come home. He's waiting on you to obey the gospel. Why hasn't He sent Jesus back yet? Because He's waiting on you. He knew you would live today to hear the gospel this morning. He's waiting on you to come to Jesus Christ to be saved from your sins. And God can make it happen. Because that's... whereof we are all witnesses, he says. Now get that. Look at that in the passage thereof. God has raised him up, whereof we are all witnesses. He said it wasn't possible that he should be held by death. And if you look at the teachings here of the gospel, how's the best way I need to say this to you? We look at it in a way and say, well, that was them, them mean old Jews. They crucified Jesus. Mm Mm-mm. Anybody here ever go to to church camps? Things like that? Anybody? Been a part of a youth group, seen devotional type songs? Some of them. There is one of the songs that always really touched me. Can he still fill the nails every time I fail? Can he hear the? Did he go through all of that and then raise again just to save some Jews back then? It's more than that, would He died for Adam and Eve. He died for Noah and Abraham. He died for Moses and Aaron. He died for the judges. Deborah, he died for his mom, Mary. He died for those people there on that day of Pentecost. And he died for me died for my children and he died for whoever it is that will come in the future and he allows to be born upon this earth. The Lord was there bearing the sins of all of us on the cross. And when they were proclaiming Jesus and when Peter was preaching that day, I want you to notice here what he says. He said, you by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Well, he my sins on that cross and your sins as well. The message of the gospel, ladies and gentlemen, is not for a select group at one time where you just kind of remove yourself from the incident and say, well, that was them over there. They needed salvation. We don't baptize as many people anymore and we don't convert them because they are not convicted of sin themselves and they don't realize that they've not put themselves there. When Jesus was there on that cross, my sins were being taken away. His heart was broken for me, Tim and Henry, so that I might believe the very same gospel and be saved from those sins, just as those Jews right there on the day of Pentecost. Therefore, after all this sermon is preached, and you go down through it, he says that the Holy Ghost was given, and he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear, verse 33. You see, they were witnesses, verse 32. Verse 33, he has shed forth this, which you now see and hear, He gave some more Old Testament prophecy. And he says, you have crucified him, the Lord and Christ. Verse 36. Let all the house of Israel know you've crucified him, the Lord and Christ. My friends, this morning, does your sin weigh upon your heart? Because nothing I've said is going to affect you at all unless you realize that it's not just for those who were physically driving the nails into Jesus' hands. It's not just for the Jews that had blasphemed him before he was crucified and they wouldn't listen. Not just for those Sadducees and Pharisees. It's for you and for me. Everybody, all those, it could have been a hundred thousand or hundreds of thousands of Jews gathered on that day of Pentecost. And every one of them there, he says, you've crucified him. You crucified Jesus. Now it's time for you to listen to him. Did they believe? Thousands did. When they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Simple instructions. You know that what you were raised to believe is true. If you believe it, what holds you back from opening up your heart and repenting of all your sins? Jesus already died to take those sins away. It's simply time for you to actually open up and say, I will humble myself before God. I want to obey the gospel this morning. If you do not obey God today, I want you to realize what you're doing. I said before when I started the sermon, if you weren't going to be a Christian, you might as well be nothing because Christianity is the only message out there that reasons with your heart your mind to come to God. Nothing else is going to give you any reasons. They're going to try to coerce you. They're going to try to fool you through some kind of false demonstration of miracle or something like that. But only Christianity reasons with you and says, wait a minute, if there's a God, he could have done this, couldn't he? He did it. If there's a God, then he could have told those prophets it was going to come. And then it actually happened. If there's a God, then his son can rise from the dead. And he did. And you say, well, I don't know. I still have my doubts. My friend, let there be no doubt at all. If you do not obey the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are saying, Matthew was nothing other than a liar. That's all he was. there's nothing good in here for you. That he did it for whatever reasons. But there's nothing there for you. You're saying that Luke, the physician, was a somehow all written the same story and were witnesses of the same event that never happened. You're saying the hundreds of people that witnessed the resurrected Christ and went out there and spread Christianity like wildfire in the first century were all liars. That they went and they died on the stake, themselves being crucified, drove out of town, stoned to death, and all the things they suffered were for absolutely nothing all just a bunch of lies. I don't want to live my life with no trust. I don't want to live a life that takes and rips the power away from God and says he couldn't bring Jesus back from the dead, that he wasn't the Son of God. I don't want to live a life where I say, well, I'm not going to believe anybody or anything that's said about anything because everybody's just. good deed and to send His Son into the world. I'll put my trust in love, the showing of the love of God through Jesus Christ by dying for us on the cross, taking all my sin away. I shall place my trust in those people who saw the resurrected Lord and I will rejoice with them after a while when the Lord calls me home and I'm able to see Him face to face. For those who have the time for you to do what those people did. Obey the gospel. Have you repented of your sins? Will you be baptized in Jesus Christ this morning? If you say, I'm not